these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say, I can't wait to say Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Not Bland Show, and I'm your host, Dujanae Bland, and we have a great show in store for you today. We're going to have on Justin Ashley of Ashley Maynard Racing, the driver of the Phillips Connect Top Fuel Dragster. We're also going to have on Lou Holder, Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist Lou Holder, the host of the Holder Hangout. We're going to talk a little Commanders. And then we're going to talk some sports on the back end. Uh, the NCAA, you know, bracket. We're going to talk about a uh, little NFL. Uh, got some big matchups coming up. And we're going to talk about the NBA play in uh, tournament, which I, I really like. But uh, while we're waiting for Justin Ashley, the 2024 drag racing bracket bonanza is going to be bananas. See what I did there? I know, dad joke. Um, it's going to be great, though. And what this is going to allow people to do is have an opportunity to be able to sponsor this particular drag racing bracket bonanza. Now, you may want to do and your company may want to do a full time sponsorship the whole entire season. That's great. But you know what? You don't have to just do a season. You can also do some of the majors. You can do just the four wides. You can do just the Western swing, just the countdown. But let me tell you what you're going to be getting if you do this. Well, all packages packages will include banner ads, um, inclusive in the fan emails, social media support. Uh, you'll have event promotions, uh, inclusions in uh, series-specific uh, collateral. You also have some cases you'll have some type of, of on-site or off-site events there at your location if you're nearby. Uh, they, did the, uh, they did the whole brewery thing last year. turned out really good. Um, you know, let me show you how this whole thing works, too. Let me show you how great this is and what's happening here. So there's a lot going on here with Drag Race and Bracket Bonanza, and there will be changes as we get into this season of 2024 well we told you how great it was last year but it's going to get even better um we told you how to play but if you guys are new to this whole thing you'll be able to see how to play here um it's going to be a full season they're going to add some things to this whole thing too uh you're looking at group play for 2024 there's going to be a news feed you're going to have some driver history and dates some shots you'll be able to see these individuals who drive these cars and bikes, you'll have some uh, downloadable app so you don't have to be on your computer or have to do it through a Weber. 
You have a podcast that's going to come up. And of course, we're going to do right here. We're going to have a segment every week because you know what? In 2024, starting February, it's all about drag racing after the Super Bowl. There's no more football. We'll talk a little NBA and we'll talk a little uh, NCAA, but it's going to be all drag racing here. We're going to have a segment just on drag racing bracket bonanza, give you some stats, give you some of these uh, great pie charts that they're doing here. Um, right here, some of this stuff here. If you, you look in here, tells you how many people actually do fantasy sports. But yet, there were plenty of people who didn't touch fantasy sports, but was doing this thing, and it had them involved in drag racing. I, right now, do a fantasy football league with the family, and a lot of them weren't watching football every week. And now they're, like, tied into their guys every week because it means something to them. Um, you know, you can see the viewership that we had last year at the NHRA. Look at the pie charts here. They even give you a bracket buster during the race. Uh, and that bracket buster, it's cool looking. But, man, when you see that happen to you, you're not happy about it. <laughs> and when you tweet about it, the drivers get back at you. That That's the coolest thing about this whole thing. It is very interactive. Drivers have been participating and, and getting involved. And as you see, plaques are involved. Uh, you look at all the numbers for Twitter, a.k.a. X, Facebook. Instagram, good stuff, all great numbers, and it's going to grow next year because everyone from Joe Costello, myself, others that work with the NHRA are promoting this thing. And it's been brought up right here on the Not Bland Show as one of the podcasts, but you see West Buck Show, Competition Plus Power Hour, all of that been promoted very well. And I'm glad that people jumped on board. You want to know more about this? You want to know how you can get involved? Right at the top there is Elon Warner's email. Make sure you go and like all of these pages and get involved. It's early. You can sign up right now and get yourself in gear and ready for the 2024 NHRA season that is fast, fast approaching. Well, without any further ado, we're going to have the driver of the Phillips Connect Toyota Top Fuel Dragster. He finished fourth in the NHRA countdown in 2023. It's my guy, Justin Ashley. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Of course, man. It's doing very well. Things are going very well. Uh, kind of got encouraged by Monday Morning Racer and a couple others to kind of go live here. And uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of work. You know what I mean? You're doing a lot of things behind the scenes, but it's been great. Not only it gets people to see who I am, but it also gives people like yourself a little bit more exposure. And that's what we're trying to do. It get more exposure for the NHRA. Well, I love it, man. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, when you go live, I know things can go a little uh, haywire, but it makes it real. It makes it more authentic, which I think is exciting and fun. And um, look, there's a lot of exciting and fun things going around the NHRA sport right now. Yes. Um, this is why we love the support from the fans and everything in between. So obviously PRI is coming up. I'm in Indianapolis. I'm at our shop right now uh, getting prepared, ready to go. And there's a lot of exciting announcements that are supposed to happen uh, Thursday through Saturday this week and then into the weekend. So looking forward to hearing what those are uh, along with the rest of the fans out there. Me too. Um, I'm Shout out to my family there. 
Thanks for watching. I appreciate it. He watches every week. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm really excited about the announcement that NHRA is going to be making tomorrow. Um, I've had different thoughts about it, but uh, do you have any speculation on what you think that it could be? I do not. Um, honestly, I have no idea what it is. It's funny when they first put that out there, I got a bunch of calls and texts myself <laughs> saying, Hey, Justin, do you know what this is? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. But when I saw that, I originally saw it on NHRA's Facebook and I saw, they said it was one of the biggest announcements in NHRA history. And that in and of itself to me was really exciting. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's a lot of hype being built up around it. So I'm sure whatever it is, um, the NHRA always does a great job with their announcements and they're doing it here at PRI for a reason. So I'm just excited as you are to hear what that might be. I have all the same thoughts. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but uh, less than 24 hours. We'll find out. I know. I was like, man, come on, man. You're going to make me wait two days. I'm an anxious person. Like <laughs> you're going to make me wait two days for all of this. Like, come on, man. But it, it really does make it uh, super exciting. And uh, I hope everybody tunes in 9am tomorrow on all of uh, NHRA's social medias. They'll be broadcasting from PRI, and they're going to make that announcement at 9 a.m. Eastern. So uh, make sure you're locked in that early. Now, this 2023 season for you was very identical to 2022. Uh, I looked I looked at a lot of the stats here. Your regular season was amazing this year, though. Um, you had the, the eight wins. You had the six wins. You were in eight finals. Um, you finished the regular season 33-9. and nine. Uh, only four first round exits in the regular season. And uh, you came into the points right into the countdown, I believe, number one. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it really was a dream season. And look, I get to drive the race car. Sometimes I'm the one who gets the notoriety. But the truth is, it's not about me. It's about the team that we have and the team that we had on and off the racetrack. It takes a lot just to put the car in a position to find success on the racetrack. And Mike Green... Tommy DeLago, the entire Phillips Connect Toyota team worked hard, not only throughout the year, not only at the races, but also during the week at the shop and also went to work immediately when the 2022 season was over to put us in a position to be successful in 2023 and throughout the entirety of 2023. So we had a great regular season. We learned a lot during the countdown. We did not finish the way that we expected. We didn't finish the way we wanted to, but that's okay because we learned from it. We're able to grow from it. And, and I think we took a few things from this year's countdown, just like we did in 2022 that we could apply now moving forward. And uh, man, I just can't wait to get started here uh, in the 2024 season. No, I know like NFL teams, a lot of, a lot of sport teams, they kind of look at and evaluate kind of self scout a little bit and find out where things may have kind of jumped off the rails that may have caused you know, the the not being able to finish to get a championship. Now, I looked at both your seasons, and I'm telling you, it is so wild of how identical the countdowns even were. The records may not be the same, but they are very similar. You were seven and six in the playoffs this year. Um, you had two first-round exits, no wins. But the first-round exits, you guys listening, hold on to that. Because in 2022, it was 10 and 5. He had three first round exits, one win. You know what the common denominator in all this is, guys? It's really the first round exits because that's what that's how tight the points are. And what's even more crazier is you finished this year 25 13 was your points, 136 back. 
In 2022, you finished 25-10, only three points short, but it was only 86 points back. That's how tight things were, but that's how wild the competition was this year. Um, do you guys kind of have an idea maybe what caused it, or is it just, just that simple? We were running great. Competition's great. The first round exits is what got us. Well, I don't think it's one thing in particular. I think it's a combination of those things. But, yes, I mean, look, the first-round losses will absolutely kill you. I don't care if it's in the regular season. I don't care if it's during the countdown. But you want to win races. But ultimately, you're going to put yourself in a position to win the championship in Pomona on Sunday if you stack round wins. You have to stack those round wins. You have to go to the semis. You have to go to the finals, the occasional quarterfinals. But those first-round losses will kill you. When we look back, I think – that was probably a big part of the reason that we fell behind so quickly, uh, almost immediately in the countdown. I think that there were a number of different reasons that happened, uh, one of which was sometimes we just the ball just uh, didn't fall into our court. You know, we won a lot of really close races in the regular season. Those same close races, we just happened to come up on the losing side during the countdown. So, look, there's no excuses. We didn't accomplish what we wanted to. We look at the first round exits. You look at, you know, losing some of the close races. We also ran really well, believe it or not. Um, at certain points during the countdown, uh, I thought we had a really good Pomona race. We went to the semis there. I thought we had a really good Vegas race. We went to the finals there. But ultimately, I mean, the competition is so good. And it's only going to get better next year. Who knows how it's going to get after this weekend with all the announcements. Forget it. Right. It's just so good. And, you know, as competitors, as teams, we love it. Every Sunday is like a battle. Every round is like a battle out there and exciting. It's fun. But you know, high tide raises all boats, right? So everybody's going up. The competition is getting better. We're all having to get better because we have no choice. So rounds one through four um, on race day are really difficult. They tend to all be final rounds. And I think that's just a reflection on how good the competition is. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I look back at history and take nothing away from those guys. But I really think and old guys like us and others – like to think that the past was so good, but really when you look at the last several years, top to bottom, all 16 have the potential to put you on the trailer. I don't think it's been that stout, even in previous years, you had a handful of guys, maybe top six, top eight, but there's 16 cars out there. And if you don't bring your A game, and if and if your, your, your head coaches and assistant coaches are calling the plays on these cars, don't come out and have their A game. You go out early because the competition, not just with the drivers, but I even look at the crew chiefs now. These young guys are coming up, uh, being groomed very well and uh, are really throwing down with a lot of the uh, veteran, uh, you know, some of the greatest of all time crew chiefs out there. They are. I mean, this is the highest level of professional drag racing. So back then, Years before this, the competition was always amazing. It was always the best competition in the world, but it can still get better. And I think it's gotten better. And that's not a reflection on the competition before that it was bad. It wasn't. It was amazing. But it's just that much better now. And you're right. I think, first of all, I think you're starting to see more drivers be groomed, quote unquote, in like the top alcohol dragster ranks that are moving up now to the top fuel ranks and the funny car ranks. And then also the crew chiefs. You're right. There are a lot of young crew chiefs that have been in organizations for a long time um, that are getting promoted, that are going to other teams that are now playing much more critical roles in the success of those organizations that start as clutch guys or 
start in hospitality, who knows, and work their way all the way up. But thankfully, um, you know, we, we just, we love our team. I can't say enough good things about them. Getting the opportunity to work and learn from Mike Green and Tommy DeLago, two crew chiefs that have won championships, multiple championships before, I view that as a tremendous blessing and it's a great opportunity. So shame on me if I don't pick their brain and take full advantage of that. Well, 100%. Uh, you know, I was thinking today that, uh, you know, unlike the NFL, um, these seasoned or veteran crew chiefs, they always continue to get better because you can look at guys. I'll, I'll throw Bill Belichick out there. I'll throw Ron Rivera out there. Um, at times, they know how to – these guys know how to adapt. And then those type of guys have a system – and they're stuck in that system and they don't progress and they fail or are failing because they don't relate to today's player. But one thing about these guys in NHRA, I don't care who you got, doesn't matter, young or old, veteran or not, these veteran crew chiefs have over the years continued to adapt. It shows that they're not just going off what they have in their head, but they are continually working every offseason to get better, learning new things, learning new technology, and continue to pushing forward. It's why I give um, Grovnik a lot of credit. Look, he could have gone back to the old setup and decided that, hey, this is what we're going to do because we're trying to win a championship. But they see the bigger picture. And I think that is something that is very important, but also keeps this sport at the top level that it is. That's really well said. I can't express how bright, how brilliant these crew chiefs are. It's amazing the things that they come up with and what they do. And I think the word for it is always proactive. They're always trying to be ahead of the curve. They're always focused on the next year, or the big picture, or the next thing. You know, we want to win every race during the regular season. But I'll tell you right now, I'll go back to Brainerd. Um, we had a buy. We qualified number one. We won the first round in Brainerd, so we had a buy run because I think there were only 14 cars there in the second round. So it was, okay, do we race for lane choice in the next round, or do we test? And we just didn't have the opportunity to test more often. So we said, you know what, let's take this. I'm not worried about lane choice. Mike said, let's test because I know it's more important to test this round because it'll help later in the countdown than it is to get lane choice for this particular race. And we chose to do that. And it just shows he's always thinking – outside the box, always trying to be proactive, put ourselves in a good position moving forward. So I think that's a great example. Um, the stuff that they come up with, you know, Phillips Connect, the 300 to the uh, 300 miles per hour to the eighth club. Think about this. Jim Eppler was the first person to go 300 miles per hour in a quarter mile in a funny car. Mike Salinas did it an eighth of a mile. Half the distance. That's incredible. But it speaks to the advancements in engineering, the advancements in technology within the industry and within the sport. Yeah, it really does. And uh, talk, speaking of that, I hear that there's some changes with uh, chassis this year. Are you guys also, I know a lot of guys front half or back half, are you guys doing the same thing with your particular car? We are. Um, so we're making some changes. There are some rule changes um, that went out. I really can't speak to the detailed specifics of it. No problem. But there were, um, you know, rule changes that went out that are going to make the car safer um, that might slow the cars down even a little bit, but you say they're going to slow the cars down. I mean, ultimately how much are really going to slow? They're so fast anyway, and people right. catch up to it anyway. Um, so there were some changes that are going to cause us to make some adjustments or require us to make some adjustments on the car. But you know, that's stuff that, that the team does a great job of taking care of in the off season. Um, so I can just hop in there and, 
enjoy the reward of actually uh, driving one of these awesome cars. Indeed. Now you're off season. What what do you do starting off? Right, the season's over. Do you go get some R and R first? Do you continue to kind of dabble and you know see where you can improve as a driver, or you know what what exactly does that look like for you? Well, it's interesting because I think the off season approach for every driver is different, um, but there's not much of an off season, so there's really only so much time to relax and take off. I think. To a certain point, it's actually more beneficial to try and disconnect, at least for a small amount of time, and then come back to it. I think it's healthy, um, but I'm not really great at that. It's something, honestly, full transparency that I'm working on. So there really hasn't been much of a disconnect. It's about making sure my offseason is about making sure that physically, mentally, spiritually, I'm in the best position that I can be in to help be a small part of our greater and bigger team and organization that will help us win a championship in 2024. That's the goal. That's always been the goal, but winning a championship next year starts in the offseason. A lot of that is business. Um, a lot of that is working with people at Phillips Connect and Rob and, and Jim and Amber working on uh, putting business to business deals together um, and working with them on their smart trailer technology. A lot of it is, um, you know, I just left the Menard store um, in Avon, Indiana, who's now going to be carrying uh, all the Chip Boys chips, which are rolled tortilla chips. So the business is constantly here, right? at that guy, huh? The business is constantly flowing. Things are always moving. And uh, I do have to say, you know, these chip boys, this was the first time I got a chance to try them. I'm not just saying this. They are really, really good. They're a rolled tortilla chip. They have ones that are super spicy and hot. Or if you're like me and cannot handle that, they have just ones that just taste really good. So visit chipboys.com. But yeah, always moving, wheeling and dealing, um, working with the guys, trying to uh, help us win a championship next year. Yeah. Um, you know, with those, now I, I've never been to one of those stores. So I know you're from the Northeast. Yeah. What is what is it comparable to? So Menards, I mean, uh, so it's a combination of like Home Depot, Walmart, and Wegmans, like all into one. It's everything where if you go into Menards, amazing store. And I love it because it's right. I'm, I'm here. I don't get to do it in New York, like you said, right. by you. But um, they have enough stuff to buy a house. I'm saying they have enough stuff to build a house. And then enough food and everything to, to eat in the house. And then enough furniture uh, to stock the house. So it's pretty much everything in there from construction material to food to clothes to everything in between all kind of a one-stop shop. So everyone loves Menards. It's an awesome place. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Uh, you know, you you come in, you, got, you come into this 2024 season. This is the third time. I believe the third time is the charm for this team. Um, you know, the amount of work you put in, uh, not just on the racetrack, but you do a lot of stuff off the racetrack uh, with sponsorships and those and the like. Um, I think it's just a matter of time, man. Like, I, I get it. There's a bunch of bunch of people. There's a bunch of new announcements. I know there's going to be new people. But uh, I think the adversity that you've gone through in the countdown only makes you stronger, only makes you greater. And uh, in 2024, I've got a feeling that you're going to be hoisting a championship. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That means a lot. It's a uh, it's a team effort. It's a long year. It's a grind. But but that's what we love. And, um, and I love what you guys do. I really do. I love the show. I tune into the show a lot. You know, I'm also a big football fan. So I love uh, I follow your Twitter quite a bit, listening to what you have to say on the NFL side. But um, the NHRA side, with everything that's coming together with Elon 
and drag race bracket bonanza. I think that's healthy for the sport. And NHRA as a whole is in a really good place. So whatever happens in 2024, we're going for that championship. But regardless, we have a lot of gratitude for each other and the opportunity to do that. Um, and it's going to be a really, really good show for the fans all year. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, and, then, and then with that being coupled with it, I, people are just going to be more invested in the sport. Um, before I let you go, uh, you're a Jets fan. Um, I felt bad for you when when Aaron Rodgers went down. I was like, really? Like, this never happens to this guy. Um, I think Sala has done what he can do with what he has. Uh, I felt like he still got away from Zach Wilson a little early. I don't I don't think going to a third guy with, you know, you know what the old saying is, if you got two quarterbacks, you ain't got one. Right. I, I thought that, you know, sometimes he's going to make those mistakes. Um, but I also thought that at times he kept y'all in, in the game. I think this team becomes a Miami next year if A-Rod can come back. Uh, what are your thoughts on your team as you look towards 2024? Yeah, I think the Jets are really talented. Um, I really do. Unfortunately, they lost their quarterback early. But um, listen, man, I think that I think that if they stay healthy next year, um, I'm a big believer in the trenches. So I think we build a team inside out if you want to win championships and have sustained success. So I think if they can, they have a great defensive line. If they can plug some of the holes on the offensive line, bring some of the young guys that they have back and they can all stay healthy and Aaron Rodgers is back uh, with Garrett Wilson on the outside and Brees Hall in the backfield, the defense the way it is, um, there's no doubt that they can learn from this year and come back. I think that um, they're, they're poised to make a run next year, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I, I think they are. Um, I, it's unfortunate, but that's football. Um, but, yeah, I think they will. And, uh, Justin, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, when more things get announced on your side, I'll have you back on. You can talk about those things. And uh, soon as I'll see you as soon as Gainesville. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for everything. Have a great night. You too, brother. Bye. Justin Ashley, ladies and gentlemen. Um, great stuff. Uh, if you can make the PRI show, it's amazing. I want to go. Haven't been, but I hear it's like no other. Now we get into our commander's talk. You Eagles fans, we'll be talking about you guys at the end of this thing. So just hang in there. We're going to talk about you guys. Um, but now we're going to talk commanders. And I am pleased to have... Emmy Award winning broadcast journalist. He is the host of the Holder Hangout, and he is a guy that I study and learn from as a journalist. Um, he's part of the Sports Journey family. He's my guy, Lou Holder. How's it going, buddy? Hey, how are you? Good to good to finally be on. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a great show. I, I never really wanted to do live, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it, and it allows me to be able to showcase a lot of people that not only I look up to in the uh, reporter world, but part of our Sports Journey family as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just great to see these different platforms and to see the people thrive in them. Yes, yeah. indeed. Now, the commanders are not thriving so much. Um, and when we looked at this season in the beginning, I know personally I didn't see this coming. Um did you see any possibility that this would end up happening due to the circumstances of an owner change? Well, I mean, <clears throat> Josh Harris and 
Now, that whole group only got the team like two, three weeks before training camp. So, I mean, it, it there really wasn't much that they could do. Um, the whole thing with the whole Dan Snyder thing draw, drew, drew out all over the time where it was very, very crucial if you wanted to make moves towards uh, having a significant change on the field uh, for this year. So yeah. um, the, the, the disappointment that I saw that most people would say – by far, was how poorly the defense is played. Um, you know, going in, we were told by St. Jude's, by so many people, um, you know, that there was going to be um, the turnovers. They were going to get more turnovers. Everything, they had a top 10 defense in every statistical category except turnovers. So during training camp and during the mini camps and stuff like that, you know, they said that that's what they were going to do, right? And lo and behold, when they got to the to the to the to the draft, they picked uh, a corner and they picked another defensive player before they picked or really really started to stabilize their offensive line, which everybody who knows about football um, knows that it it doesn't change if you can run the football and protect your quarterback and get to the other team's quarterback. You have a great chance of winning. Um, and the defense from, from the first game, even the Arizona game, it was just like, eh, we're still trying to figure things out. But then, you know, things start happening. Emmanuel Forbes is just, he's a rookie. You know, he's not one of those impact rookies. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, Defoe gets heard and you don't know what's going on. And then the whole thing with, you know, the linebackers, it just, you know, when you have um, Jack Del Rio and the head coach, Ron Rivera, who who made their chops in the NFL as linebackers, um, yes. for that to be one of the most glaring position fails of the whole defense, that doesn't help. And then you're hoping that your Alabama boys can get home to the quarterback they haven't been able to, and then you see what Chase is now doing in San Francisco. So it wasn't dominate. They 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 were they weren't using him correctly. I mean, his hands are in the dirt now. He's more inspired because he's playing with a team that you know has a chance. And um, I mean, I didn't think that they were that this team was going to uh, be up there with the Eagles or the 49ers and at the top of the class of the NSC, but I. I didn't think I was going to see four and nine, you know, obviously losing to the Bears, losing, losing to the Giants twice. Uh, and this just the dismantling from Dallas and and Miami has just been, you know, it's been, it's been a bit of a surprise as far as competitiveness. Right. And this right. is one of those times that I can honestly say it's not just your it's not just the losing. It's how you're losing. That is the frustrating part of uh, this year. Right. And the good thing is, though, is that unlike past years, is that Josh Harris and them do have a plan. Um, yeah. And I heard Josh Harris speak at, at, at a sports business journal event, and it was just refreshing. I never I can't remember a time where I ever heard Dan Snyder tell anybody from the media what his plan was what his long-term plan was, what his vision was for the team or anything like that. Right. It was always one of those, you know, if you get a secret audience with the Pope, 
you know, he'll tell you something here and there. But Josh Harris is saying that, hey, look, you know, we're going to build something here. And I, and I actually believe him. He's got magic. He's got some some things going on. So I, for one, can't wait for this new league year to start to find out what the GM and who the GM is going to be, because I clearly think that they do have a GM in mind um, and the head coach. And let's start turning this culture around because uh, it ain't good right now, brother. No, um, it really isn't. And it's uh, I, I really thought right after uh, the Denver game and when they lost to the Bears like that, I, I thought that was that was the writing on the wall a little bit. And then when you get, you know, ownership, I believe I know I didn't really care for it, but I understand the business side of it. And they got rid of those, you know, their two best linebackers uh, and their best you know, pass rushers, let them go and got picks for them. Right then, I felt like the locker room now is on a loss because you're already losing and you kind of get the, you got dismantled by a Bears team you had no business getting dismantled by. Um, and, and now when you start to see people go, you kind of know that the guy who's in charge is not really in charge. And then when you lose the way they have over the last couple of weeks of being just picked apart and just dogged, I feel like the locker room's kind of lost to the voice in the room. And it's showing on the field. Now, me personally, I think you should have a little bit of pride because either way, you're either playing for a job here or you're playing for a job somewhere else in the NFL. But I do feel like the locker room itself has been lost to the voice that is in the room. Yeah, I don't think they really have any bona fide leaders either. I mean, it's it's just not that um, those leaders that we saw um, even in near time, you know, when, um, you know, London Fletcher was there or even before that, just the play of Sean Taylor and stuff like that. Um, you know, they just Swearinger. Yeah, there just <laughs> there just hasn't been a a leader. Right. Um, you know, Jonathan Allen talks and. Um, some other people have talked, um, but if your best and most consistent player is your punter, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's not, that's not good. So, um, it's just a frustrating portion of it. You know, I do think that there's something wrong with Terry. Uh, I don't know if it was that foot at the beginning of the year or whatever, but you know, the targets are not just Sam not finding it. He's just not getting open. You know, the right. separation is just not there, you know? Right. So uh, it's not all Sam not finding him or, or what have you. Just don't see Terry. Uh, I, I didn't think that this Dehan, um, uh, Dehan, I mean, I didn't think that, that all the Dotson, I didn't think that he was going to drop off like he did. Um, it's, it's just an all around fail. I mean, I, I don't, um, um, Eric Bieniemy's offense um, in Kansas City. I mean, obviously, no one's a a Kelsey, a Travis Kelsey on the team. But I thought that the I thought that the tight ends were going to be more involved. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit more exotic. But I do think that you know what he's done with Sam Howell in his first year it can't be it it can't be overlooked. So right. uh, within all of the mess, there are some good things that you're actually seeing. 
Um, you know, and then there's still feel good stories out there. I'm so happy for Joshua Pryor, you know, the only HBCU kid on the, on the roster, um, you know, when Jared Patterson got cut and went to the practice, you know, got cut and didn't even make the practice squad, you know, rooting for that thing. And, and, you know, there are some things to actually, as a journalist and as a sports reporter, look forward to going to these games, but overall, it's just one of those things that um, you just got to envision like you're on a beach. You just got to envision the new NFL year and what can what can be held because going in, they are going to have some draft capital now because of trades. They are going to have some cap space and hopefully they're going to have a GM that knows how to manage all that. So there is talent on this team, but as you said, if they're deflated and you're going out there um, and they still got, they still got the 49ers and Dallas still on their roster to, to yeah. play, you know, so it's, 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 um, it's going to be interesting. It's not, it really gonna, will. it's not going to be a, a happy holiday season around here. <laughs> no, it's going to be tough. Uh, and, and looking to the future, uh, I, I personally don't want to hear the word rebuild at all. And my reasoning on that is that we've seen countless other organizations with competent general managers be able to reload just they have like you pointed out they have the draft capital they have plenty of space to me there's no excuse to say we're rebuilding and that you can't go out and have a winning season right away because other teams are doing it and I, I hear a lot of people say well not with this organization but that's in the past now with new ownership here, they obviously have a plan. They are about winning. If you look at what Josh Harris has done with the 76ers, they are about putting together and being winners. Magic Johnson don't play that. They are about winning. Do you feel the same way that with all the things that they have going for them, uh, I think five picks in the first in the top 100, uh, you got that, I think it's about 90 mil right now in cap space. Uh, could be more depending upon how they move players or whatever they choose to do. You think that's possible to reload? Well, I think that the word rebuild and reload is kind of a broad term. Uh, if I can, if I can throw that in there, you know, rebuilding. Yes. They had to rebuild a culture, right? So that in the word of rebuild. Yes. I think that there's a rebuilding and a re just retooling in your mind of what it takes to be, to have winning football. Now, um, as far as on the field, everybody to everybody to a man in the media core said that there is for the first time in a long, long time, there is talent at every single position on the football field. There were times we went into the offseason and say, you know what? There's just no talent there. There's yeah. nobody there. Yeah. There's just nobody there. But you have seen that there is talent. There is talent. But you need a strong front office. Ron can't be having two jobs or the next person that comes in can't be having two jobs. And then you just need to have a strong, strong front office. You said the Eagles fans that we're going to get to you. I have to say that if you want to look at a strong football team, look at the Eagles. Let's, let's, go, let's go back just a second, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's go back to when Jeffrey Lurie made a huge mistake. He made a huge mistake by bringing Chip Kelly in. Yeah. 
yes. and having Chip Kelly run everything. Chip Kelly comes in, dismantles that team, gets rid of Shady McCoy, gets rid of Macklin, gets rid of Deshaun Jackson, gets rid of a whole bunch of people. He had that team was explosive and he just it destroyed was. it. He just destroyed it. Jeff Lurie knew he made a mistake, got rid of him. Uh, by the way, Chip Kelly goes to the San Francisco 49ers, messes up there, and he still gets a job with the UCLA Bro. I mean, where does that happen? I know. Uh, you know, it know doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to people of my skin color. So. Exactly. But anyway, I digress. So they bring in they Howie Roseman during that time. Howie Roseman, who was a great evaluator, great front office person, Chip Kelly, because of his ego, put Howie Roseman in the back of the building. He put him in the back of the building. Jeff Lurie understood that he made a mistake. Brings in, um, you know, uh, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson uh, elevates Howie Roseman back. And this is happening right as Washington is still going through all this stuff. They went from the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles went from very, very good. Chip Kelly destroyed them. They went back up to very, very good. Won a Super Bowl. <laughs> won a Super Bowl. Right, took a little bit of dip when Doug Peterson rotted Nick Sirianni, and look—I mean, look what's happening right up the road. Right, yeah. you don't even have to even go up to Philly. Look at the standard of excellence that the Baltimore Ravens continue to put together, all with the thumb, the 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 footprint of Ozzie Newsome all over the place. Yes. Right, so it's the front office. Right, it's not those players alone. Right, you yeah. know that they will if if an organization is run correctly right players are humans too there's an emotional and there is a symbiotic relationship knowing that you're playing for a team that has hope versus a team that you don't think has any hope right. so in a way there i do believe that like you said there is some retooling that needs to go on i think sam howe is a suitable quarterback if you have a good offensive line for him i've yeah. seen i've seen lesser quarterbacks do a more uh respectful job i mean he's a rookie he's a rookie yeah. and we've we've seen him do some really really good things if you think that there's a quarterback out there that you just can't miss on that's one thing but this team needs offensive linemen yeah badly. they need offensive linemen you know they they just need offensive linemen it it, it hampers everything that you're going to do you can't do i mean the reason why the eagles are able to do brotherly shoves and tush pushes and all that other stuff they have they have offensive linemen for days i mean kelsey runs the thing but they have offensive linemen for days that jalen hurts can sit there and 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 um do do what he needs to do if your quarterback is running for his life um you know it's just not going to work it's just not no. going to work you know so i think there's a little bit of both i think there's a rebuilding of the culture and I think there's some retooling at some positions on the football field. I I, I am surprised at the secondary. They they need to revalue to reevaluate that. Yes, um, big time. Yeah, they did because it just it hasn't worked out. It just it hasn't. really hasn't. Um, and that goes for everybody. And I, I feel like too, you know, everybody. I hear a lot of people, you know, wanting this person to stay, wanting that person to stay. Um, but the bottom line is is in order to in order to run an organization and run it well it has to be done with your front office in mind and they have to have the vision you can't pigeonhole people in 
and say, well, I'm going to keep this guy. And then the next coach has to basically put up with a guy that you've given him. And if it doesn't work out, then it looks bad. And me personally, I don't want to see anything that resembles what was done for the past 20 plus years under the Snyder regime. It's a new and, it, and you see organizations that do well allow the front office to do the picking of the coaches and then allows those said coaches to do what they need to do to build their staff, not telling a coach what he should or shouldn't be doing as far as staff and players go. Right. Two things there. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, going to college basketball in this area, you know, John Thompson's at Georgetown, his, you know, his his shadow was literally literally and figuratively just so large right yeah and then after he left there was you know his assistant coach of Eshrick. then it was his son then it was his surrogate son his his pride and joy patrick ewing right and then after all that it was almost even every even the, the die hardest of georgetown fans had to say, you know what? You got to distance yourself from the John Thompson era completely, right? Completely. It's the same thing with here. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera did a very, very good job in the time that he was here with the Washington Commanders. You know, that whole thing with, with the, the name change and everything, like he had to wear a lot of hats. He did. But he is the last piece of the leftover of the Dan Snyder era that has to be totally gone yeah. for this thing to actually turn the culture, right? He's yeah. still Dan Snyder's hire, right? So until he, until that thing has come to a end, um, that's where we are. We're in this purgatory. And the frustrating thing about this whole, we were talking about this in the press box and uh, it was just obvious, you know, that on that particular Sunday, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, um, and then there was one other. Oh, LaFleur from Green yeah, Bay. Yeah, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur from Green Bay. And um, all were in the building at the same time. At the same time, along with O'Connell, which is with Minnesota, yeah. and the offensive coordinator for the Texans, Bobby Slowick, he was also in the building. All those people were there at the same time and to not have any one of those um people is is frustrating and 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 i heard it said in the press box and people talking about it that, that all those guys are young young innovative minds they're not these old retreads and whatever yes. the next the next gm and the next head coach they gotta be i mean when you look at mike mcdaniel he don't look like anything that you have seen in a while. So much so that after I heard what Ron Rivera said at the press conference, I went over to the Miami side because I was just curious to hear this guy and to see what kind of stuff is going on in Miami. Because you got to think that with $6 billion that the Harris group spent, that they are looking to see how other things are working throughout the league, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of young minds. You know, yes, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, they have their reverence and everything like that. And even the, um, even the Sean Payton, but yeah. the young minds throughout the NFL now um, and the innovative stuff that's going on 
right? That's where this Washington team needs to go. They need to have a young, innovative mind um, and not a older or established, um, you know, from another team coming in here. I don't know if that's the move for this team. I think those players need a young voice, a young mind. I mean, look, I mean, again, look what Miami is doing with this head coach that is just like, he's quirky, he's odd, he doesn't look like the part, but man, they're playing for him. And uh, it is it is interesting. His press conferences are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a mind, but it's not just him. The 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 before this commander season's over, they got to go out to McVeigh after the bye week. They got Shanahan coming in here um, again. All that stuff. These coaches all are making a difference throughout the league, and it's no coincidence that the NFL is new. It's modern. It's 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 it's. It, it's um, again. There's still the reverence of the Harbaugh at, at 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 Baltimore and everything like that. But for the most part, these owners and these general managers are going in a young, innovative direction. And you mm-hmm. just gotta hope that when they say "ready, set, go" on the new the new year and the the season is over, that they're hitting the hitting the ground because. There are going to be some other co- other teams out there going to be looking for these young minds as well. It's not like the Washington Commanders are going to have their pick of the litter and right. everybody's going to be like, yo, waiting around. You know, you got to think that that uh, Chicago and, and some of these other teams are going to be looking. To, look, you, Kraft is probably going to be looking for a head coach. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of things going on. And Washington, I hope that they are – Ready, set, go, and not ready, set, uh, let's see how this thing plays out. Agreed. Um, and, and to your point, I talked about this earlier with our uh, top field driver in reference to crew chiefs. That's one thing about the NFL right now. If you look at guys like Bill Belichick, uh, especially him right now, uh, Ron Rivera as well, the biggest problem is now is that those guys are hell-bent on running their system. but they also don't relate to the younger player. And I think that's with these younger minds, not only are they innovative, they understand the nuances of the the new game, but they also can relate to these young players. And that's where the disconnect is, especially when it comes down to your culture and your locker room. Um, You know, it's, you know, we're not talking about guys like London Fletcher and, and, and B Mitch and those guys. We're talking about young minds they're 20 some years old you have to be in tune with what they like are doing and how you can reach them and i think that's why these older coaches don't necessarily have the success they used to because they're stuck in their ways and they really don't relate to that younger player yeah i mean it's 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 a it's um it's you have to be a leader of men. You got to be a leader of men. I mean, and 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 whatever way that you're going to do it, that is that's going to make those those players run through a wall for you. You know, um, you got to be a leader of men, um, and the leader of men is knowing how they think. You know, relating to them on that level. That's why Mike McDaniel is relating to them. Sean McVay yes. won a Super Bowl. You know. Uh, O'Connell comes in, you know, if it did, if his quarterback wasn't hurt, which 
was here too. Yes. I mean, the, the six <laughs> degrees of separation to Washington, D.C. Is, is, is kind of it's kind of laughable in a way that it all is. that talent was in one building at one time. And they're all sprinkled throughout the NFL doing um, doing doing the, 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 the thing. So, again, there are those there are those coaches that are still getting the best out of their players. But I mean. Obviously, Andy Reid knew what he was doing when he brought in Patrick exactly. Mahomes. Exactly. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, you know, that changes the culture right there on the on the football field, right? Mm-hmm. But those th- those two are 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 unicorns. I mean, you know, it's 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 um again, I, I'm not saying that it's all young coaches, right? Right. I can give you five coaches right now that are um or at least three I can give you with uh Peterson. Uh, in Jacksonville, yes. uh, John Harbaugh in Baltimore, yes. and obviously Andy Reid, right? I mean, those yeah. are three established coaches, that, and Sean Payton is even turning that team around in a way. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't work, you know, but I'm just saying overall, look on the other side, right? Yeah. The 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 coach of the Texans, right? Um, D'Amico Rines, the the the. The McVeighs, the 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 um what the the coaches that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. they're just littered all over the NFL. Oh, and I think that is the way that the league is going. Me the too. younger, more innovative mind, right? And so you know, um, and then I, I I think you can even say that Campbell out in Detroit is, is established in 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 the old school way a little bit, but they're playing for him, mm-hmm. and you know you see. You see, there, uh, there's a lot of even with the older coaches, there's um, the, the, there's a lot of um, respect in that front office with Baltimore. It's not just the coach. Every every position or every coach that you can say is successful now, you can look at a front office or a, a symbiotic relationship between. The off the field and the on the field product that makes that team good. Jacksonville has turned around their culture, yep. right? They got a quarterback. You know, I don't know. I think he has a high ankle sprain, but they have a quarterback. It's either a quarterback, a coach, or a front office. And I can honestly say in Washington, the front office, eh, the coach, no, eh. and the quarterback still undetermined, right? Right. Still, still. And that's why you're that's why you're sitting at four nine because again it's not just losing it's how you lose and the way they lost to the to to the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, <sighs> you know uh, people eating turkey bones on them in the Man. jumping in the in the in the I mean it was embarrassing it right? was embarrassing um, I, I I don't know how the defense was supposed to work that Quan Martin was going to be one on one with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I, I just don't know how that all works. You know, I could see if that's a mistake in coverage in week one or two, but we're now down, you know, in, this, in <laughs> yeah. December. Week you know, 14. You know, if you're running out there and you're game planning, there's no way that 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 I'm taking my chances with the other guy beat me and Tyreek Hill. It's not, it's it's not, it's not going to beat me. But that, I mean, that's that's the cheat. I mean, it was just it was just wild to see that. Um, Tua and and Hill are worth the price of admission to go watch. Absolutely. Uh, but again, you're still going to the stadium now, uh, my brother, and still seeing the other teams' uniforms. There was all kinds of teal in there. I didn't um, know there was that many Dolphins fans. They're probably. In they're, I mean, 
they probably said, hey, look, you know, we ain't going to be able to get a ticket in Miami. Let's go up to Washington because we know we're going to win that game. Right. You know, and that's the that's the hurtful part. Until you get yourself together, it's still residue from when the Steelers came in here with the towels and, yeah. and the Eagles come in here once a year and do what they need to do. I'm telling you right now, when San Francisco and Dallas comes in here, get ready for more of the same, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, once of all, I mean, first of all, there are a lot of front runners that people like, you know, that show up to 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 teams, and then you don't know if they're with that team the next year. But these are bona fide fan bases that, um, not just because now they are saying, you know what, because fan is short for fanatic. Yes. These diehard fans are looking at the schedule release and having parties and everything. Let's say. Which games are we going to? Right. Right. I mean, I have a friend who's a huge Eagles fan. As soon as the season, as soon as the season schedule came out, right, he was plotting what games he was going to go to. He went to the Miami game with his son. He went to the Kansas City game with his daughter. And now the whole family is going to the Seattle game. This was planned months ahead of time, and they flexed that game to Monday night. You know, that's what the <laughs> that's what the NFL is all about. So right. when these Miami fans are coming in here, I'm sure some of them were just Johnny come latelys, but I'm sure a lot of them were like, you know what, Washington D.C. You know, okay, let's 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 plan it. Let's come up here and have a good old time. You know, right. Um, right. The San Francisco 49ers. Hey, let's spend let's spend Christmas Eve or whatever or New Year's or you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of that in there. But the fact of the matter is they're coming to your stadium and there really is not a home field advantage because they're coming into the stadium and, you know, it's just not it's that's not a good look. So it's almost like you got to get it out of your mind quickly and let's get to 2024 and let this Josh Harris ownership group start doing what they do. Because Magic said in his press conference, I did not come here to lose. Exactly. And I don't see that. I don't see that uh, happening. Uh, in 2024, I think they're really going to put something together that will uh, that the fans will be happy about. Yeah. Now, Lou, appreciate you coming on. Tell people where they can uh, talk shop with you and what maybe some stuff you have coming up. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I just I'm on my holder hangout. I'm always on CTV. I, I do some stuff with uh, yes. Marvin and Donna and, um, you know, I'm always just there to talk sports with anybody on my social media handles. I mean, the big thing that everybody's talking about now is um, the whole thing with the college football. And um, that's just an interesting dynamic, you know, Um, and and um, outside of the commanders, I think that that is the big thing. I I really do feel I feel sorry for Florida State. You know, I think Mike Wilbon said it the best on PTI the other day. And I just have to quote him. He said the game of football lied to to Florida State. It did. It, It lied to him. It lied to him. The game of football tells you that you play hurt, you do whatever you have to do, you're in a power five conference, and you win all of your games and you don't get a chance. You know, I see what the I see what they're doing. I see what the NCA is doing. They don't mm-hmm. want another TCU uh, you know, but at the end of the day, the game of football. It lied to Florida State. It said, you know what, if you go undefeated in a big five, you know, uh, a power five conference, you're supposed to be there. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so it's just going to be interesting how they go from here, because there was a time when we were saying to ourselves, hey, look, um, 
we should have a playoff. There needs to be a playoff. <laughs> right. There was this mythical number one champion. We need to have a playoff, right? So now you have a playoff and people are like, oh, four teams is not enough, right? But I guarantee if you go to six teams, the seventh team ain't going to be happy. If you go to eight teams, the ninth team ain't going to be happy. So it's going to be interesting how they play this thing out. But I just, I just feel bad for Florida State because one player, and I said to my, I said to some friends, I said, hey, look, if this one player, right, if this one player, this quarterback, is so interesting and so valuable that it causes the whole organization to change the model, then he should be the runaway Heisman Trophy winner. Exactly. He's the most valuable player. Exactly. He's causing the whole NCAA to change around <laughs> its whole thing. He should be the most valuable player. Exactly. But, you know, I digress. But, yeah, it's just fun talking sports. Been doing this for a while. I'm glad to be on your platform, and thank you so much for having me on. Man, it's a pleasure. Um, like I said, really enjoy the work that you do. And uh, a lot of people, uh, Seawall, um, you know, Donna, uh, Marvin, I study you guys to get better at what I do. So I appreciate you. And uh, this won't be the last time, Lou. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate you. All right. Hey, now, the thanks. Washington Commanders can't lose this weekend. No, because they're off. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Lou. All right. Take care. Man, that was Lou Holder, everybody, and uh, he does excellent work. Um, you know, just the whole entire uh, plethora of people who look like us up there in Washington do an excellent job covering the commanders, covering sports. Uh, just awesome work. Now, I'm going to finish right where we had left off with the NCAA. I've seen a lot of things out here about people making excuses of why Florida State should be in. I, I saw, uh, I think her name is Carrie Champion, say that you know it's not always the best, but that it's not always the it's not always the ones who deserve to be in. It it's, comes down to the best. Well, here's my argument with that. If 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 Alabama is the best, coming from eight now, if Alabama is the best and they are at four, then that means the reigning, defending. National champion, the Georgia Bulldogs should have been in there at four. And then you put Alabama at three because we're talking about the best, right? Because Texas is not better than Georgia. Not better. So if we're talking about the best, then Texas should not be there as well. So that argument is dead. I, I don't know know how else to put it now we talk about well um you know they lost their quarterback and concern about tcu look if you set a precedence which was tcu getting in then you would think that you couldn't change that they earned the right to be there and let's be clear they lost their starter they went to their backup from Valdosta, and he won. Then they had to go to their third quarterback, and they won against a very tough Louisville football team. Yet, Alabama jumps from eight over a zero-loss football team. You know what that says? That, has, that says a lot 
about how they feel about the ACC. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're an ACC fan, they basically just told you that your conference doesn't matter. And eventually, they're just not going to recognize you at all. That means some of these teams are going to have to move and possibly go to Big Ten or SEC to get some respect. And I, you know, do they beat a Michigan? Who knows? But I know that Florida State football team balls out on defense. And if they get Rudermaker back, I think they're able to make enough plays to keep pace. Anybody who's going to play Michigan first round is going to be tough anyway. It's going to be a tough out. Period. All that SEC talk, look, man, football is football. And I understand the power, five conferences. I understand how big the SEC is. I watch a lot of SEC football, but you can't discredit other football teams. But I don't like it, but this is what we've got. And from what I understand, I think they're going to 12 teams. I think it's going to still be a little muddy, but at least people like Florida State won't get left out uh, because of a committee who is in love with a football team and a coach based on something that they've done in the past. Because like I said, if they deserve to be there, Georgia deserves to be there because they're the reigning defending national champion. Yet they drop from one to six. You think Bama at one, getting one loss is going to drop from one to six? I think not. So shame on you. And I feel sorry for the kids. Now let's move on to the NFL. We got some big matchups and right out of the gate, we're going to talk Eagles and Cowboys. And this is going to be very interesting, a very interesting game. We saw the 49ers basically put it like it is dismantle the Eagles at home. And I thought it was going to be a very tough game. We talked about it the week before uh, or the week of on this show. And I thought it was going to be a very tough game. Um, going into the link, it's not easy. Those fans are, you know, some of the best in football, no matter, you know, how they may act. They are some of the best in football. And the 49ers just were able to just do what they wanted. So here's my fear. It looks to me that the 49ers have put on tape how to beat this football team. Because when I look at this football team, the one thing that it's missing is grit. The ability to want to punch someone in the mouth, a little nastiness to it. I'm seeing a little bit too much finesse. Finesse is not going to cut it against football teams that are looking to kick you in the balls. Every down. They're going to scrap. They're going to fight, claw by any means necessary to get the win. And this Eagles team just doesn't have it right now. And when you look at the Cowboys and what uh, what they're doing defensively, who Michael Parsons is not in one spot. He's everywhere. And everybody on that defense is eating. And the blueprint has been set on how to get Jalen Hurts slowed down to keep him in the pocket. And if he gets out of the pocket, you take him down. And if he gets out of the pocket, you flush him to the sideline. Don't let him 
get five and 10 yards. Don't give him a whole bunch of time to be looking for threats down the field. Look, A.J. Brown is going to get his. We know that. But if you can limit the rest of these guys, you can limit their running game, which has been stalled as of late. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a huge problem. They could be looking at another loss this week. And let's not forget, they're going to Dallas, where Dallas is undefeated at home. But there is one caveat. This will be the first winning team in a while that they've played. And the two winning teams that they did play, they are 0-2. Now, I said it on a previous show. They're only beating the people that they are placed that have been placed in front of them. They can't help that. And what and when they have been, they have been throttling a lot of those opponents. But this is going to be a true test to see what Dallas can do and whether they will be able to make it a few uh games further in this playoffs. And if they truly have a shot to be a Super Bowl contender. This is a great test. It's a great test for the Eagles, but it's also a great test for the Cowboys, a winner, a team that can slug it with them. We'll see how Mike McCarthy does against a winner in his play calling because he's been putting together a nice script when it comes down to play calling. A lot of it making sense. We talked about that on the show previously. So that is going to be the game that I'm watching this week. There's a lot of others, but that's the game right there that's possibly an nfc championship game that we're watching don't or the divisional at least because at the end of the day i think the 49ers are going to be there but the dallas cowboys can make a statement this weekend if they can put a w on the board against a formidable opponent that is looked at as a super bowl contender now, the NBA playoff is pretty cool. Um, it gives people an opportunity to care. I know we're running a little long here, but uh, with all this great stuff, we're going to run a little bit long, probably five more minutes here. But this playoff has been really good. Um, I like the teams that are involved right now. Uh, the Pacers, you've got uh, the Bucks, um, Lakers are a surprise. Uh, I think the Pelicans are a surprise. Uh, especially my Lakers. Um, I thought the Suns was going to be a tough game. My guy, Ryan Elliott, was like, nope, they're going to win. And he was right. They won. Uh, and it looked good. What I don't like, though, is when you get like a 10-point lead, 12-point lead, you need to put your foot on the gas, not allow the team get back in, and then you have to win a close game. But credit to the Suns. They have talent. And uh, sometimes you're going to have to grind those games out. I'm looking forward to this quarter quarterfinal here. Uh, should be fun. Uh, I really do think that the Pelicans have a shot to knock off. But I tell you, as long as Anthony Davis is playing the way he's playing, he's actually showing up. I think the Lakers are going to be tough to stop. I do think the Bucks get there. And if it's Bucks lakers Dame Lillard, Dame time is the X factor. Uh, I don't know if you guys were able to watch that game, but Dame time was like 
getting behind screens. He's doing a very good job of facilitating the basketball, and Giannis looks like a world beater. He's playing really good basketball. But I also think on the opposite side, if the Lakers do get there, you got to give Austin Reeves some credit, man. Dude's knocking down big shots. Had a big one against the Suns yesterday. So for the NBA, I applaud you. This is huge. This gives people a reason to care. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't watch the NBA until after the All-Star break. So, good job. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so much for watching this show. Again, go to our page on YouTube. Like, subscribe, share. Without you, we're nothing here. But uh, appreciate you guys' participation. This has been the Not Bland Show. Powered by SportsJourney.com And we're out of here